Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Kings 4? We'll be in verses 8 through 17. The story of Elisha, as I have said, is told in 17 miracles. And the northern kingdom of Israel, there's, there's no counterpart to this. You know, we've been looking at 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings or 1 Chronicles, 1 Kings, and they were, there were parallel accounts, some slightly different, but basically the same. Uh, but wh- while we're in this part of Elisha, there's nothing parallel to that in 2 Chronicles. Because this is preeminently dealing with the account of Yahweh dealing with the northern kingdom through the ministry of a great prophet, Elisha. And so here we've come to the sixth miracle and each miracle is sort of connected to the other one, but, but it gives us an overall view of how active God was in the um, life uh, of the kingdom in the north, the northern kingdom. We read a lot about their sinfulness and they, they are overwhelmed profoundly with a sinful condition, worship of Baal and and, uh, idolatry. But God had his ministry there. God had his purpose. God had his man, in this case, Elisha. And it was no small thing because these 17 miracles show us that God is reaching out through Elisha to every level of society. Just in the last couple of miracles, there was the miracle of the of uh, the ditches of water where the kings, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, the kings were going to war against the king of Moab, and the very king had reached out to Elisha, Jehoshaphat, and Yahweh spoke through Elisha, and. The miracle occurred so that there was water and the water reflected in such a way that it frightened the Moabite army and and there was a great victory there. So just in the last couple of times, his his ministry was uh, revealed there on the level of kings and battles, uh, history-making battles. Before that, of course, he was... He accompanied Elijah. He was there when Elijah went up uh, into heaven. And it was revealed that uh, Elisha would take Elijah's place. And then he dealt with uh, the sons of the prophets. They saw what uh, Yahweh had done with regard to Elisha in the departure of Elijah Uh, after the miracle with the kings, the last time we saw the miracle of the pots of oil, the jugs of oil, it was a widow. She was a widow of one of the disciples of the prophets. She was poor. 
had two sons and uh, the creditor was going to take her sons because of the great debt that her husband had made. And she enjoyed the miracle that Elisha brought about through the power of God with the filling of all of the jugs that she could borrow with oil. And there was enough there for her to sell and pay the debt, keep her sons uh, out of bondage. And then there was still enough there for her to retire on, for her to live on for the rest of her life. So we've gone from just in the last couple of miracles, we've gone from Elisha dealing with kings in behalf of Yahweh to an insignificant, to a seemingly insignificant poor widow of one of the disciples of the prophets who was in dire straits and was in danger of losing her sons. She had two sons. Now this miracle moves from uh, the great presence of, in the presence of kings to the helping of, a, of an unknown, otherwise unknown widow who was impoverished. And from there, from that woman who was a widow who had no sons, connecting now his next miracle to a woman who was a very prominent, well-to-do woman who had a husband but had no son. So let's look at this uh, beginning in verse eight. It was, and it was that day that Elisha, it, it went as far as Shunem. Okay, Shunem, she's a Shunemite. Where is Shunem? It's a, it's a spot in the road, on the road between Samaria and Bethel. Bethel is where Elijah won the great victory over the prophets of the Baal, of the uh, prophets of Baal. And it became Elijah's headquarters after that. Well, now it's become Elisha's headquarters, and apparently it's also where he taught uh, the sons of the prophets and the up and coming prophets. Bethel, and then Samaria, which is the capital of the northern kingdom of Judah. Elisha traveled that road, I'm sure, quite often. As the man of God, he would have, of course, he's already engaged uh, on the battlefield two miracles ago, uh, the king of the northern kingdom. So he knows him. Elisha, like Elijah before him, is known in the court of the king in Samaria. The capital city is, of course, the hubbub of activity and the heartbeat of the administrative power over the northern kingdom. And we keep seeing about how evil the kings were in the north, the northern kingdom. And it all started with their first king, Jeroboam. So the, the evil that has overwhelmed the northern kingdom emanates from the throne, the seat of power. So Elisha, like Elijah before him, 
would minister there. But he would also have his headquarters, his place of, of, uh, of study and, and uh, central part, place of his ministry in Bethel. So here's a road he travels quite often. By this time, Elisha is becoming fairly well known among the people. Uh, if you go back to the, the, the boys who, who made fun of him for being bald-headed, <laughs> he's obviously known for his wonderful hairline, I guess, as much as anything else. But he's recognized apparently by many people as the man of God. So this is a well-traveled road and a, a spot, a village, a place along the way is Shunem. And the people who were there were Shunemites. Went as far as Shunem and there was a prominent woman who lived there. Uh, Gadala, prominent, it means notable. In, in one of the Psalms, it's, it's a word that actually refers to the Christ. So he's, she's prominent, she's uh, wealthy uh, and well-known. She's no, a notable woman. It was a prominent woman. So she is in stark contrast to the poor widow he had just helped. And it's, it's revealed in this account that she was an independent woman. She didn't really consider herself as someone who needed help, but she was interested in helping this prophet. A, pr a prominent woman who prevailed upon him to eat a meal. And it was whenever he would pass, he would stop there to eat a meal. Now, who's the beneficiary of the miracle that's going to take place here? Let's, let's look at this again, beginning again in verse 8 and taking in verses 9 and 10. That day, Elisha went as far as Shunem. There was a prominent woman who prevailed upon him to eat a meal. And it was whenever he would pass, he would stop there to eat a meal. She said to her husband, behold, now I know. Uh, so it's Yadati. Uh, Yadati, it's, uh, she has this profound, she knows it's, it's, a, it's a knowledge that, that uh, she's immersed in. It's, a, it's more than just a perception. She knows that Elisha is a man of God. I know that he is a holy man of Elohim who passes by us regularly. Maybe she's heard about his ministry. The powerful things, the powerful miracles performed by his hand through the power and by the will of Yahweh. Perhaps by the great uh, prophecies and his great preaching and teaching. Perhaps because these other prophets are perhaps maybe gaining a little more confidence. And out in their various places of teaching and ministry would uh, recite Elisha in some way or certainly refer to the power of God that is seen through Elisha, whatever. She knows him. She knows Elisha and she knows that he's a man of Elohim, a holy man of God. 
He passes by regularly. So obviously he travels the road from Samaria to Bethel back and forth on a fairly regular basis, which indicates to us that he has a, uh, an active ministry in a wicked land. Now let us make a small walled paper ch- upper chamber, uh, a small walled upper chamber and a place there for him for a bed, a table and a chair. And that Hebrew word for chair is used elsewhere as a chair of authority. It even speaks of a throne and a lamp. And it'll be that when he comes to us, he will turn uh, into there. Apparently, because of the chair that she made and the emphasis that's placed on it, when Elisha came into her household, apparently because of this word, she deferred to his authority, especially in spiritual things. So this is a woman of faith. She's interested in the ministry of Elisha. She's interested in taking care of Elisha. And there is no doubt that he would have shared the wonderful things of Yahweh uh, to, this, to this woman, this prominent woman. Now, here's the occasion of the miracle. It was one day that he went there. It, all, all of these, these wonderful things in Scripture, you know, it's, it's like the day starts out like any other day. And this is how it, it's told, the story is told here. It seemed like it was any other day. He went there. He was on one of his journeys and he was, he was a regular uh, guest at the home of this uh, prominent woman. You know, back in the old day, as a matter of fact, we lived in a parsonage that had a prophet's room, parsonage of Southside. Uh, and I, I remember people who made sure in their homes they had an extra room. They called it a prophet's room so that a traveling preacher, the guy who was there for uh, the revival and evangelist, a guest pastor, whatever, uh, they were there and prepared to uh, take care of, uh, of, of the preacher and his accommodation while he was there. So it's, you know, this, I don't, <laughs> I don't think people do that anymore when they build a house. Oh, let's have a prophet's room. But uh, it was kind of a common thing in days gone by, at least in the subculture that I was raised in. This is his room. He went there. He turned into the upper chamber and lay down there. This was designated for him. There was a special chair built there for him that deferred to his special authority as a holy man of Elohim whenever he was there. And this is a prominent woman, a notable woman, a wealthy woman, a woman of means. So you know that there was great spiritual power that came forth from uh, Elisha that this woman in her faith would uh, defer to him and, and have this special chair for him. And he said to Gazi, his servant, call this Shunammitess. He called her and she stood before him. Now, he'd, he'd been this way many times, but this is a particular kind, time somehow 
for whatever reason, Yahweh has moved upon Elisha and he wants to have a purposeful time uh, with this Shunammitess, this servant bring her in and she came, stood before him and it's like she understood his spiritual authority and it's almost like he had instructed her in the ways of, of the Lord and this was, this was something that uh, she would uh, gladly do. So this is the occasion. But there's a peculiarity about the miracle also. And he said to Gehazi, say to her, behold, you have busied yourself on account, on our account with all this trouble. What is there to do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the general of the army? And she said, I dwell in the midst of my people. In other words, I'm, I'm happy where I am. I know who I am. I know where I am. And my people and I get along fine. We don't really need anything like uh, 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 some sort of edict from the king or a visit from the general. Don't have any kind of trouble like that. Everything's fine. Can we do something for you? No, I, I'm, we're doing fine. We, we, we're living where we are. We're, we're happy and content. And really there's nothing. There's nothing. But there's always something that God can do. So here's the nature of the miracle. And he said, now what can we do for her? Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Well, this plan begins to come. This, this thought from Yahweh now begins to come because the story of this the Shunammite woman and, the, and her son that she's going to have all this, this, this doesn't stop with this passage. It, it goes on for a while. And so Gehazi said, well, okay, that's, that's a bad thing in that culture in that day. The implication is that her husband is very, very old and that her time for childbearing has pretty much passed her by. She has no son. For whatever reason, they never had a child yet, never had a son. So here's a prominent woman who obviously uh, has great holdings and wealth. But whether she realizes it or not, and I think she does realize it, but she doesn't want to speak about it. She doesn't have a son. What's going to happen? She is, she is so benevolent with what she has. For whatever reason, God has given her wealth and notability. Uh, she's become very notable in uh, her society. So what's going to happen? Her husband's old. She has no son. He said, bring her to me. And she stood at the doorway. Now, she didn't ask for this, you understand. But Yahweh knew what she needed and wanted at this time next year, when you will be alive, like now, you'll be embracing a son. Here's what she says. No, my Lord, man of God, 
Do not lie to your maidservant. That's an interesting way to respond to the spiritual guy that she's trusted. You're lying to me. You're messing with me. Prophet doesn't do that. Apparently he doesn't, he doesn't respond in any way at all. He just lets it work itself out according to the will of Yahweh. And the woman conceived and bore a son at this time a year later, which Elisha had spoken to her. For all of her wealth and all that she had, her faith in God, there was this one tremendous blessing that apparently she was afraid to ask for. But there is, there is no blessing beyond the power of Yahweh. It's according to his will. As he sees fit, what he does in her life, in our lives. Elisha, under the power of Yahweh, could see into her heart. She simply said, I dwell with my people. I'll get you a, I'll, I'll get you a letter from the king. You won't have to pay taxes. You'll get taken. I'll, I'll have a general bring a, a special a squad of soldiers to take care, make sure nobody ever hurts you. I don't need anything. I dwell, I'm with my people. And we're all doing fine. We just don't need that. But in her heart, there was one thing. For all of her married life, there was this one thing that she obviously desired and could never have for whatever reason. And Elisha saw right through it. Gehazi somehow picked up on it and said to Elisha, Look, she has no son. This makes her very sad. Her husband is old, and it seems as though the pair of them are beyond parenting, beyond childbearing. She has all of this, these possessions, this great household. She has no son. There's nothing that she can do. The language here indicates that the husband is of the age that he needs to be sure to have his affairs in order because he's, his days are pretty limited. That's sort of the way the language reads. But look at this great promise. You know what? You're not going to die for a year. You're going to be kept alive. And at this time next year, you'll be holding a baby boy. You'll be embracing a son. She withdrew from that, but it happened. Conceived and bore a son at this time a year later, just like Elisha had said. Now this is this particular miracle, but the miracles don't stop here with regard to this woman. And we'll pick up on that next time as the story of this woman uh, continues in 2 Kings. Okay, we'll have our deacon prayer time.